Welcome back to another episode of the Youth Academy series. And um, this episode we will be brought to you by the Hollow Sports Podcast, but also the Elite Football Show. Um, today I'm joined by Chris Weatherspoon. Um, a lot of you that would have seen him around kind of the Sunderland area would have known a lot of his his work. There's a lot of things that you've kind of gone in. I've seen that you've gone with kind of the Wise Men Says podcast. You've done a lot of writing as well as reading one or two of your stuff over the last couple of days as well. And a lot of good insight into kind of what goes on around Sunderland as well. So it's, I guess it's an interesting one for me because we'll go through it today, but United kind of brought in two kind of impressive young players from Sunderland this, yeah. this summer. Um, so it'd be good to get um, Chris's insight. Um, where can most people find you and kind of some of your work, Chris? Um, so I think probably the, the main place is probably the Wise Man Say podcast. It's a summer podcast we do. We do uh, we do written articles every now and then, but it's mainly, um, I'm not on everyone, which most people would be glad of. Uh, we do uh, we do Monday uh, post-game, we do a Thursday pre-game, and we also usually do a um, Saturday reaction from the pub, which obviously at the moment is unfortunately um, not not possible. But uh, but yeah, why is meant to say if if anyone's interested in what's going on at Sunderland? Yeah, absolutely. It's been a, it's been a weird one with Sunderland, especially for a, a lot of kind of United fans would just remember from when they're back in the Premier League. But it's been a pretty big downfall over the last couple of years. Um, How's that been like, especially around the fan base? And has there been much kind of more positivity kind of for the next couple of years, or is it still pretty much the same as the last couple? That's uh, looking. It's pretty good. No, to, to be honest, um, obviously we've got got Reggae for the Premier League. That was terrible under uh, Mister Moyes, um, who is not. Um, we well we we know your pain <laughs> on that one. Um. And then obviously went straight through the championship. But actually, when got down to League One, we uh, we got taken over. But there was quite a lot of optimism. Um, but after the the first season, it became apparent they didn't really have a plan beyond that first season. And this, as we speak, they're still trying to sell up. And actually, the the only optimism people have got at the moment is I don't know if you saw there was a piece out last week, which suggested that they are close to selling. But people are skeptical because we're not sure whether. How much they're still going to be involved. Um, so I think, to be honest, if you had me on in a couple of weeks, I'd be able to give you a definitive answer because I think we're going to we're going to see something sooner rather than later. But yeah, it hasn't it hasn't been the most optimistic of times recently. Yeah, I guess that's where you have some similarity with United fans and the fact that we don't like our owners either, and probably never will. <laughs> <laughs> so I, it's it's a tricky one. I when I was reading some of the stuff about even just Sunderland and even in relation to kind of what I'll be talking about today in the youth series, there's even just the fact of trying to keep some of the young players that have performed pretty well at the start of, of this season um, before kind of the takeover would end up happening. If it happens, it should be probably something that's on the mind of the current owners. But again, like you said, it's always tricky when there's a possible takeover, a possible set, sale of a club. It's, I don't think anybody knows kind of what happens. It's, you're probably similar into a situation that Newcastle were in last year where they're convinced they're getting taken over by the Saudis. And now 
they're still stuck with my gashley not knowing kind of what's going on so it's it's not been great in around uh newcastle and sunderland over the last year in terms of takeovers has it no not really um i think that's a thing like, like i say this this report that came out just under yeah just under a week ago now um kind of made it sound like it was basically done and dusted like a couple of weeks and that that'd be it but um We've, we've kind of been here before, and like like you say with Newcastle, I mean, I think a lot of people thought the same with theirs, and obviously it, it didn't transpire. And there's different, there are like, there's, they are very different situations. Like, one of the problems with our current ownership is a lot of people are pretty confident that they don't actually have the money to keep it going for too much longer, which might force a hand. Um, we, we don't know. I, I think one way or another, before. Certainly, if I was sitting here in a year's time and we hadn't been taken over, I'd be very surprised. Yeah, it's it's an interesting one. I've always said it, especially because a lot of the conversation that I have on many different podcasts about the United one was that there needs to be a bit more regulation on kind of when a club is being taken over. Do they have the, especially for ones like you're saying there, that if they have the funds to actually be able to do that and kind of yeah. sustain it long term. It's one thing that I think we look at English football and it has kind of failed over the last number of years. Like I, I always have there's so many fans that complain about how the Glazers took over United, and that is also crazy that you can take over a club and not have to put any of your own money in. I think they've gotten a little bit better at that, but then it's still I don't think there's enough regulation, as you can see with kind of the Sunderland example. Yeah, I for think a while. Sorry, I was you go ahead. It's interesting because obviously, like one of the one of the like those phrases around the the glazers is like leverage ownership, isn't it? Oh, like a leverage takeover, and yeah. in, in some ways, it, it can be argued that's exactly what happened at someone because um, essentially what happened was they, they, they used club money in order to get in the door. Now, don't get me wrong; they they haven't put nothing in, but they. To date, they've still put nowhere near in as much as they claimed they were going to. In the process, they've written off like over twenty million pounds of what was ostensibly Sunderland's money. And um, to be honest, that was the thing that really, like, look, some fans were unhappy at a third season in League One, but actually, quite a few were kind of okay. Like, we haven't got it right. We'll keep going. But once the news broke, I think it was in May. About what had gone on with how they actually took over the club and what they'd done with the club's money. That that was kind of the straw that brought the camels back. And I and I agree with you, there needs to be there needs to be more done. I think I think the big problem, like certainly the EFL have had. I think I think for Man U obviously it was 15 years ago, and I just, I just don't think there was anyone really thinking about really caring about who was coming in and taking over football clubs. Whereas more lately, I think one of the problems with the EFL is that they're terrified that a club's gonna go bust. But actually, all they're doing is kicking the can down the road. Because if you let, I mean, we saw it. I mean, Barry's obviously not far from, yeah. not far from Manchester United, and we all know what happened there. And that was just because that was because of, there was there was a club there that was spending way beyond its means, and nothing nothing was said, nothing was done until it was far too late. So yeah, yeah. It's it's an interesting one because I know on a podcast that we did before. We were talking about this whole thing that Project Big Picture kind of brought up. And even though it was, it, you could see it was a, a kind of a power hungry, kind of some of the bigger clubs wanted more power, 
but there was a lot of stuff in there that showed some of the bad things that was happening in the AFL. Like I know th- there was a report that came out that if Leeds didn't get promoted because of, let's say, COVID restrictions and they didn't let any of the teams that should have been promoted get promoted, that they would have had to sell off a lot of their players because they were spending way too much money than what they're actually bringing in. And you see teams in the championship or even teams in League One now because the championship and the Premier League are very lucrative right now that it brings in that money, that TV money where you see if a team in League One thinks they have a chance to get into the championship and are realistic, they might spend more than they should. And if it doesn't work out, then they're in a big, big problem. And you see it all the time with championship teams, but I think there needs to be, like I said, it's the same with the takeovers. It's just, I think there has to be more regulation. Um, it's it's a big problem, I think. When we when I kind of talk about United in relation to the ownership, the problem is people always talk about the last seven years, and it's I think it's just because Ferguson was able to kind of mask over everything that was happening. Yeah. But for a while, but for a while, and it kind of goes into kind of our first topic in terms of how kind of the youth system is currently um, done in England. The one problem I think United had straight after Ferguson, and I've mentioned it before, is that a lot of the scouts that were there for the youth academy also went at the same time, and there right. wasn't actually there wasn't actually a lot done, and there wasn't many that were brought in. I think when I was reading the story, there was about sixty to seventy percent of the scouts had retired the same year that Ferguson left, and not, nobody else was brought in to actually improve on that and it was for me I, I thought it was crazy and I just look at it now which a lot of fans do now and there's a lot of kind of hype around the United Youth System because there's a lot of young players that are in there now that we're starting to see you get that kind of a chance obviously the main example is Mason Greenwood but it's one of those that Youth Academy football still has for me a lot of problems you look at yeah. the under 18s and under 23s. I know a lot of people, they always complain about a uh, team getting promoted or relegated. It doesn't really matter because they're still playing the same teams over and over again. And you see the big gap when a player has to go and play against a kind of a senior team. And it's kind of the good reason why some of the under 23s have been able to play in many different um, cups. Now they're actually getting that experience, but before they were playing against literally the same lads, every almost every single week. And you could see even when players were scoring goals, it, they were kind of cheering and a small celebration, but nothing like you see when they actually are scoring a goal in a meaningful game. Um, I know for for United, it's been over the last kind of two or three years, it's been a bit of a shift because we've seen a lot kind of change within the youth system at United. I was reading actually about Sunderland the last couple of days, and it seems like there's been a the start of a similar change. For United, as I said with the scouts, we didn't really have a kind of a head of recruitment or a head of the academy for a while because really Ferguson kind of oversaw everything and the scouts did everything but then Nicky Butt was brought in after that Nick Cox from um, Sheffield United was brought in and that's when you see all this recruitment over the past kind of three four years Um, the one thing that surprised me was when I saw the likes of 
Joe Hugill and Logan Pye and those others. Um, I know there's Greenwood that that left you guys that I think originally went to Arsenal and then went yeah, to Leeds. Did, yeah. That when I read to that the under twenty threes and under eighteens last year, I I'm, don't think they won, did they? Um, uh, so I've got, I've got the I, I I thought I come prepared and uh, obviously the the season was like truncated. It, it was cut short, but between yeah. them they did thirty four games, and they drew one and lost thirty three, and and this and, is it. Kind of one of the things that became apparent um, was just how unacceptable that was, because um, one of the one of the corners, I think roughly this time last year, actually went on a, a fans podcast and said. Um, we're actually ahead of where we where we plan to be. It's not about winning games, it's about development. But it didn't make any sense because they weren't they weren't developing anyone. Nobody was coming through. Everyone, everyone like the people you've listed, um, was sold. And the perception has been that they've been sold for kind of a, a quick bit of cash. And that's fine if if you don't intend to be at the club for, for too long. Uh, as it looks like these owners didn't, but for for us, for us fans and people who care deeply about the club, it's kind of like selling the future down there, and um, and yeah, and that's been to be fair this season uh, results have picked up in the in the twenty threes and we'll probably talk about why that is. But yeah, I mean the last last season was really I would I would imagine it's probably the worst uh, season a club has ever had at academy level. I can't see anyone topping one point from thirty four games. <laughs> Yeah, it's it's pretty dire. It, like I said, there's a lot of comparison to when that kind of exodus happened at United. You saw a lot of, even the one thing that always gets to me is a lot of United kind of ex-players had sent their own kids from the United Academy to cities because just really? the actual, the infrastructure was there at Man City and for so long it, it kind of just got worse and worse at United. Now, luckily they've, they kind of saw what they were doing wrong and they did build it up. I think that was one good thing that I don't think Louis van Gaal gets a lot of credit for because he was the one that said that this isn't working and he wants young players being brought through. And that's when you start to see kind of some of the change. And obviously now under Solskjaer, we're seeing more of that. But it was it was always such a shame for those kind of two or three years because really the embodiment of United has always been through that academy bring players through to even circumvent any other kind of problems in the team it's not always that they're the superstar players obviously when people think of the academy they think of the likes of Beckham, Giggs, Skulls, all them but there's even the smaller kind of names that would kind of bridge the gap as well you had the likes of John O'Shea, Wes Brown, Dan Fletcher and the likes. We signed all them. <laughs> I know exactly, but it, it is. It's it's one of those that I think it's when your club has that culture, it's is something that's really important. And I think for a lot of United fans, and I don't think I just speak just as myself, but I speak for a lot of people that you actually enjoy it more when someone comes through the academy and they score rather than when it's a signing that comes in and scores. Yeah. It's it's it feels like it's someone that's kind of been engrossed in your in your whole system and you've actually done the, your job properly to bring them through. I think it's why right now a lot of United fans ha- with all the kind of stories that come out about Mason Greenwood all the time now, 
where they're they're very quickly to or quick to defend them. But I just have to look through the United kind of first team and you see kind of academy players all the way through in pretty much every position. You see the likes of Dean Henderson as their backup goalkeeper. You have Axel Tuanzebi as one of their centre backs. You have Brandon Williams who's there as well. Scott McTominay and then you've your kind of two strikers in kind of Rashford and Greenwood. What has it always been like under in the Sunderland system over the years? Has it been that before kind of this drop from Premier League to League One, has there been kind of an emphasis on trying to get some of these youth players to get into the first team? Has there been that clear pathway and has it just been lost or has there always been an issue within the academy in Sunderland? Uh, I think in first there's always been an issue. Um, really, I, th- I think to my mind, one of the, one of the big biggest problems has been like when we were in the Premier League, we were always fighting against relegation. Like we literally were. I think if you look at it, like the amount of weeks of like the last five years in the Premier League, the amount of weeks we spent in the relegation zone will be far more than we were out of it. And um, and I think because of that, managers were always reluctant to to go with without with anyone that wasn't proven. Um, and so we, it was only really the like, kind of best of the best that ever actually got in. Talking like John Henderson, Jordan Pickford, to to an extent like Jack Colback, they're the three who jump out. But like for example, like John Egan and Connor Huran, who are now Premier League footballers and certainly last season were Premier League regulars. They were they were both at Sunderland and they never got a look in. Egan, Egan's is a bit different because he got injured, but the partially the reason was because managers were scared. Managers were like, well. We're really up against it here. We're not going to take a risk on bringing kids through, and um, yeah, so it has it. it it's it, it's been an issue for a long time, which is a shame because like the academy um, certainly was like really highly regarded, um, very good facilities, um, and the club just hasn't made the most of it. And to be honest, coming down to League One, a lot of people thought this would be a great opportunity to kind of to bring young players through to uh to it was kind of seen as like an advantage it was like well we're not going to have to go out and buy loads of players and spend a bit of money because we've got we've got the academy here like i remember the final day uh in the championship we played we played wolves who'd just been promoted as champions it's the last day of the season we beat them 3-0 and yeah okay it was the last game of the season so I think Wolves were kind of on the holidays, but we just been relegated. And we we had I think that starting eleven that day had about seven youth players in, and so we all thought, yeah, okay, great. Like at least next year, this is all coming through, and um, really it just hasn't happened. There've been a couple. There's um, there's Lyndon Gooch who's a midfielder. There's Denver Hume who's a left back. But apart from that, the only one really was um, was Josh Madger who scored. I think he scored something like seventeen goals before Christmas and then and then they sold him. Um because his contract was running down and I mean I, I don't know if you saw it on the Netflix documentary, but there was a big kind of hoo ha around um did he actually want to stay, didn't he? Did the, did they want to keep him, didn't they? Well anyway, he went. And truthfully the team's never, the first team has never recovered from that anyway, but that was really just the way that went was really disappointing. Um because this, this was a kid who looked like he's playing in 
like the top division fans now, he was clearly far over for League One. He would presumably, in time, be good enough to play in the Premier League. And it it felt like when we came down at this level, it felt like there was an opportunity there to um to to make the most of that academy. It just hasn't happened, unfortunately. And, and the two that you mentioned joining United this summer are a case in point. Like I think. The, like one of the excuses that's been used is that they can't stop players from leaving. Like, how how can someone compete with Manchester United? And okay, there's there's kind of a valid point in there, but the general feeling is that there's been no real effort made to to actually keep them. That the idea has been well, they're going to go, let's get some money for them, as opposed to say, because really, when you think about it, the likes of Hugo, he could be playing League One football now. The way if you look at his record and you look at he's been way above the age group anyway. There's nothing to say that he couldn't be okay. He might not be starting every week. Could get on the bench. He might might turn out to be like Madri. He might tear it up. And okay, then we might have to sell him. But I just think there hasn't really been a great effort made there. And oddly, <laughs> we're now in our like third um, season in League One. A lot of people don't think we'll get promoted this year. I'm very skeptical that we will. And the, the the reason given for not bringing these youngsters through was, well, we need some experience that will get us promoted. That hasn't happened anyway, so we would have been better off just, just bringing them through. Um, so, no, it, it's a shame. And and I think um, I think one of the – it's interesting, like what we've said there, because um, for a lot of Southern fans, actually, the idea of bringing them through, it just it, – it hasn't really ever been done, unless they're exceptional like Henderson, like Pickford, it hasn't been done. So it's as if it's kind of, it's not even something we often think often think about doing. Like we, there's there's sometimes a bit of a debate in the fan base about like giving, giving the kids a chance. And um, that have straddled both sides of it, depending on like um, the circumstances, but the club almost always comes down the side of not. Like this this summer again, we let we let youngsters go and brought in what I would say a pretty bang average League One players. And like what you said earlier, I think as a fan base, you would get more kind of satisfaction out of seeing the the the, the kids that you brought through do well rather than and as it as it turns out, the ones we brought in aren't particularly good anyway. So yeah, um, so yeah, no, I, I think. Um, it 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 is it isn't just the club in the last couple of years. It it's been a problem for a long time. The difference is now um, they appear willing to let let anyone go who, who they get an offer for. Yeah, that's it's unfortunate. And uh, look, I get that kind of as you mentioned the excuse of well, it's a big club coming in, but I guess you would prefer that being able to kind of keep hold of them for even for those first few years where even if it's from the 16 to 18 and then if they're kind of playing well at kind of league one level that if somebody comes in well then fine you can't stop them from going but like you look at and we will talk a bit more in depth about joe but again he's not going to be playing for manchester united for a couple more years and he probably will end up going out on loan before getting to play so it just would have seemed like even if because it happens all the time over in Europe where players have these contracts already agreed with another club, but they stay at they stay at yeah. their parent club, 
and they continue to develop there and getting game time. I think the issue with Sunderland might be is if some of these players, like you said before, could be ready to to play. If you can convince one of these big clubs that they're going to get game time as well, it stops them from having to bring them in and then eventually loan them out because they're already getting that experience at a younger age. Yeah, no, I fully agree. I mean, to be up to my mind, um, being in this division, um, it should be like when Southampton were down here 10 years ago, the, the barrier to entry for young players should be, like the path, sorry, the path of the first team should be as small as it's ever been. Because if they're good enough to tear it up in the academy level and that, the chances are they're going to be good enough at this level um, in League One. So, to, and I, I think a lot of people can be quite, and I don't think it helps that the current ownership have almost insinuated that a lot of players, young players, I mean, actually, I can remember on one of the first podcasts, um, the owner said that like kids who were like, I'm sure he said about 14 or something, um, knew they would get money, more money elsewhere, so wanted to go. And I think that's quite a sin. That, that may well have happened, but that kind of viewpoint was allowed to kind of period whenever these kids left. And I, I actually think I think that's quite cynical. I don't, I don't think a lot of like 15, 16, 17 year old kids look and think. I just want to go somewhere where I get paid loads of money. I, I think they want to play football. And I think um, there, there is actually, I won't, I won't name them, but there are parents of kids who have left Sunderland who've come out and said there was very little effort made to keep them, um, which is to say that the kids were un, unhappy to go and join the club that they did. But it suggests that, the, that Sunderland made no real, they didn't really have an interest in kind of, um, keeping hold of them, whether that's because they just presumably it's because they thought they could get some money for them. Um, but yeah, I think really it's it's a shame. Um, and the club really conversely could have saved itself a lot of money. I mean, we went and spent three million pounds on Will Grigg, and it really hasn't worked out very well at all. And you kind of look and think, you know, if we'd if we kept all the magic. Would we have gone up that year? I think we probably would have. Um, people like Hugo, look, I'm not saying he would be even playing in the first team now, but he's, he's clearly a talented kid. Um, and yeah, I think in the end, the, 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 the problem is like a lot of people focus on the here and now and go, well, we're still in League One. It's ridiculous. But that's not the thing that damages clubs in the long term. The thing that damages clubs in the long term is. Um, is what has gone on with the academy at Sunderland in recent years. And you kind of get to the point where some people say, well, what's the point in having it anymore? Why don't we do why don't we do a Brentford? Why don't we why don't we wrap it up? We'll just have a B team and we'll focus on the scouting. Now I'm not saying that that isn't a, a valid approach to things. It, it works very, very well for Brentford, but um to my mind it would, it would be an awful shame because Sunderland and the Northeast in general have got like a really long history. Bring good footballers through, and I think um, to kind of dispense of that would be a shame. Yeah, absolutely. It's like I said, it's such a it's an interesting case study anyway when you compare kind of some of the problems that have happened with kind of Sunderland on that level, and I I, I do see kind of s- similar um, situations that have happened over time in United. Even when you were saying that some of the parents 
were very worried about kind of that they didn't even try and keep them. It just reminisces back to that second or third year under Mourinho for United when right. he openly came out in a press conference in the preseason and was basically saying, what do you expect? I have to have a bunch of these kids with me. And there was a there was a story that came out that because of that, the likes of Mason Greenwood and all were were considering not committing their futures to United. And to think of that now where yeah. you have a talent that good to then just because of one of the managers, it just shows just a complete disconnect between kind of the first team and the academy. And luckily when that kind of went away and Solskjaer came in, you're now seeing the under 23s, the under 18s all play in the same way. And you're seeing that with the recruitment as well. They're kind of recruiting for the future because look, the market's crazy. It has been for so long that, there are a lot of the bigger teams now that are looking at that kind of kind of age 16 or 17 and trying to get them in before they become these superstars. I always use the example of Jaden Sancho. Everybody knew just how good Jaden Sancho was that watched kind of the under 18s or under 23s when he was playing for City. He was at the same mold as Mason Greenwood in terms of the actual production that they were putting in at that level. And it was it was a shame that a lot of the big clubs in England didn't try harder to sign him away from when he he wasn't going to resign with Man City. He said it um, because he wasn't getting used enough by I think Guardiola was there at the time when they went on the tour, and then he goes to Borussia Dortmund and now suddenly he's a hundred million pound yeah. player. It's it's crazy. So I I think we're probably not going to see any different. Um, in terms of the way this happens with kind of these young players. The one thing I wanted to touch on a little bit, just because even as a United fan and it benefits me and the academy I get to watch, is kind of the compensation system that is currently in place where really there is a limit on how much kind of, uh, especially between kind of English clubs that they actually are getting paid for, bringing in like some of the top players in the academy and then, really the club that kind of reared them up to whatever it is, age 16 or 17, is getting very minimal for the talent that they're letting go. This is one thing I think probably needs to change within England, especially because you see it all the time. Like even even with the Jaden Sancho one, I think he, he started off in Watford, goes to Man City, and then Man City are now the ones that they're actually got, if he ends up leaving Dortmund, they get uh, quite a lot of money out of it. I think Watford get a small amount, but yeah. we see these all the time. You see it with Greenwood with um, Leeds United, who's currently playing very well. Like it was, it's very minimal what Sunderland really get out of that. That's what I was just about to bring him up. I mean, I mean, it, to be honest, right, with with his his departure came right as the club changed hands, so it's it's hard to know. Was that just one that slipped through the cracks? Was that was he one that they were happy to let go? I don't know, but I think if you worked it out, like based on, I think we might have got more. I think we may have managed to negotiate slightly more from Arsenal, but um, if you worked it out when he when he left, the the compensation that someone would have been due under the rules was about one hundred and sixty grand, which is nothing, because now what two years down the line. He signed for Leeds for like a million and a half 
possibly rising to three. He actually came back to Sunderland and scored a hat trick for Leeds. I saw that. <laughs> yeah, scored a hat trick. It was brilliant. He was out. He scored. He scored. He scored a free kick and he scored two others. And and he's he's clearly a very talented kid. He's clearly very very. Good. He's clearly going to be a, a good footballer. And it it's frustrating. And and um, I mean, look, we we as I've touched on. I think there are there are other factors in play at Sunderland. I don't think the desire has been there from those making decisions to actually want to keep all of these kids. But even if they had been, the the system is it, it's skewed against. It, it is skewed in favour of, of of bigger clubs. Um, there was I can't remember was it Ravi Matondo who who um, did City get him from Swansea and then they they got him for about a million or something. Didn't play a game and sold him for something like eleven million, and it's kind of, and Swansea see none of that, and it yeah, and it it's look like in some ways like people will look at it and go well yeah because like their the reputation has been enhanced by being at these bigger clubs but you're like well they're still ostensibly the same person they're still it's not like they went from being an, an average footballer to an excellent footballer at the moment they stepped through the door at, uh, at Manchester City and. I, I agree. I, I think essentially what, what has happened is these compensation limits were set, originally set a while ago. And they just have not kept track whatsoever with, with the transfer market and with, with the wealth at the top of the game. And it's, um, yeah, it is. And, and, and this is, to be honest, there's been a lot of people who said, well, what on earth is the point in having a Category 1 academy in League 1? And my counter argument to that has always been, well, we, we shouldn't be in League One. We shouldn't we should be striving to be back in the Premier League. But if we did accept that we were forever going to be a League One club, it, it would be hard to disagree because the, there's very little we, we appear to have um to my mind anyway to my mind anyway, there should be a shorter pathway to get these kids into the team. But ultimately, if they are good enough, then clubs are gonna come in. And um, I think the I think the compensation, I think some of them are difficult. I think some of them are a difficult example of it because I think there are other factors in play, and I don't think the desire has been there. But but I do agree with you. I think the um, the compensation needs looking at because it hasn't kept track with money elsewhere. Yeah, it it's it's a weird one. I even see it when like a player's contract's going down. I always remember famously with Paul Pogba where. For the amount that you knew he was going into Juventus to start straight away, and even that com- compensation was pretty small, and that went to like, I think it was like arbitration and everything. But it just seems like a club does so much to build up this player to a certain point, and then especially within England, and then they lose out on kind of the financial kind of benefit of you putting in all that time in the player. It's it's difficult and look i i guess it, it comes down to if you think that's going to happen you probably need to try and you have to try and negotiate in some way with some of these big clubs and and that's just it's an issue that you see that like you said if sunderland remain in league 1 for for a while it's it's difficult to think of paying the whatever it is 4.4 million a year yeah. to stay as kind of a tier one tier one academy and it's it, it, it's one of those that's it's a tricky one because like you said no Sunderland fan really wants to think that you'll be there for that long but then I guess they have to start being 
realistic on kind of what's actually happening in the first team. If they're going to stay at this kind of tier one in the academy, I completely agree with you. The pathway to get into that first team needs to be a lot smaller than what it is. Yeah. Otherwise, there's there's like I I would never ever. I, th- I mean, it sound like I was, I was saying otherwise just there, but I would never ever kind of agree that we shouldn't have an academy even at this level. But like you say, if we are going to keep it, then we need to utilize it because at the moment we're literally just paying up to about five million a year and keeping it going, and then the 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 kids are just they're either the the contract's running down or we're doing very little to try and keep them before they sign professional terms. So it's got to, there's got to be a long-term vision then. It's interesting. I, I didn't know that, what you'd said about Mourinho, but kind of that, I look at Mourinho as quite a short-term as manager. Like he basically gets in, does a couple of years, blows everything up and he leaves. He's done that everywhere he's been. So what you said there didn't really surprise me. And the I think a lot of the problems within like the academy setup and the way clubs, some certain clubs, look at um, the youth academies is the very short term like they, they want results now 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 and I suppose kind of going full circle back to what I was saying about Sunderland in the Premier League the reason the kids didn't get a chance was because the, the club were absolutely terrified of getting relegated and now the problem with that as it turned out was they were storing up so many problems that by the time we did eventually get relegated everything just came crashing down whereas actually you never know you can't you can't predict what has what didn't happen, but maybe if we brought some youngsters through, if we if we'd not chucked loads of money up, up the wall on like supposed experience, which wasn't very good, we'd have been in a far better position to bounce back. Um, I've already used them as the example, but like I think the race happened did it when they were down. Here we are. That is exactly what clubs should be looking to do. Um, I mean, I look now and. Like one of our signings this summer was a um, 35-year-old Danny Graham. Now, Danny Graham famously scored one goal in, I think it was 42 games when he was first here, um, which went in often by accident. It wasn't even, wasn't even intended. <laughs> and so we have first-hand experience. Oh, okay, that was two divisions above, but we have first-hand experience on it. But the manager who's in charge at the moment appears to think that the way forward is signing players at that end of the scale and you look and you're like well surely okay maybe they're not in our academy right now because we've sold them or whatever else but surely there's i i think like ollie Watkins to me is a, is a great example of of how clubs should look at recruitment and um like exeter sold them for i think it was like 1.8 billion and then they got on they got a big knock-on fee on the back of Villa signing for 28 million, 33 million, whichever it was this summer. And and that's the way it should be. That's that's how um if if they are really far too good for that level, okay, well clubs should be able clubs should be able to to command a decent fee for them. Like look at Deli Ali. Deli Ali left MK Dons for five million. Now obviously it's contingent on the player actually signing professional terms. But like look at Jude Bellingham, for example. 16 years old, he's clearly good enough. And they, they got a big fee for him because because he went and signed professional terms. And you have to give them an incentive to actually sign those terms. Now, unfortunately, at our club, and I'm sure elsewhere, um, the incentive just hasn't been there. The, I, I would argue that the effort to do it from the clubs on the club's behalf hasn't been there. But certainly, the incentive hasn't been there. I mean, we've got um, 
there was a kid who was 16 um, when he first played for the first team. And it was kind of a token gesture in a way. Uh, but it was that, that Wolves game that I talked about, a kid called Barley Mumba, who he started the following season. And look, he, he didn't... He didn't look outstanding, but he he was no worse than anyone else, kind of thing. And he um, he he kind of he kind of dropped away from the scene. Now last season we ended up sending him on loan to South Shields, who were a, a non-league club. This summer he went and signed for for Norwich City. For, it was about two hundred and fifty grand, and now he's only played a couple of games, but already Norwich fans are raving about him. And Norwich fans are really impressed. Now look. That might it might be a flash in the pan. It, it might turn out to be some of the best business we ever did. But stuff like that really, it's just really frustrating to see, because ultimately it, it's just a short term view. Um, the idea is they're not ready for the first team now, so let's get rid of them. We'll get someone who is. When really, actually, if you have a bit of patience, it can pay. It, it can pay massive dividends, and I, and I think that's been a problem certainly at Sunderland, but I think throughout um, throughout youth football, and it's not just the clubs. There's, there are there are certain players and agents who prioritise like a big move, and and um, and it doesn't work out. But I, I would going back to your original point, I would agree with you. I think they need somebody needs to be looking at um, how the how the money flows in in these setups because, like I say, look at look at Brentford. I mean, they've been completely disincentivized to even have an academy. And yeah. In fairness to them, it, it's working. There's, there's but, but if everyone does that, um, that's the pr- that's the problem because yeah, if you have more clubs doing that, and we already talked about, it and we said it earlier on that there's already not enough games for these players to play. That they've had to get these under twenty three teams into some of the smaller tournaments that you see some of the kind of League One and League Two sides kind of play. And I notice if we're for United, like when we don't get into the Champions League, there's really not that many games for and it doesn't it doesn't affect the kind of under 18s as much. It's those that are too good for the under 20 or too good for the under 18s, but not good enough for the first team. Yeah. And they just don't get enough game time. And then the problem is if you send them out on loan and they're not regularly playing it's another issue and we've seen that at United a lot luckily this year we sent out Jimmy Garner on on loan to Watford and he's been playing most weeks but then we look at Dylan Levitt who's played for Wales uh, internationally but yet is at Charlton this year and you see him play one week not play the next and it's it's been a big issue these kind of not getting as many kind of games the the one interesting point that you mentioned um was kind of the philosophy at different clubs. The one thing I always looked at for United is that the main goal was to get these players to have that professional career. And it wasn't just about winning every single tournament that they're playing at under 13, under 14. And I saw a different philosophy when kind of researching Man City, which was bring in a lot of these players that are very big in terms of their stature so they can kind of bully some of the smaller players in those early age groups to try and win but then you see those players don't come true because really other than Phil Foden and Jaden Sancho you're not seeing too many of the other kind of players that were in a lot of those kind of cup winning teams for Man City in the early age groups 
and it, it kind of shows and then you look at United and you look at even though they might not be at United I look at even in I think it's in League One where Roshan Williams is is starting you have a couple of players kind of dotted all around the kind of EFL and also Premier League that have come from the United Academy because it comes from that philosophy to try and get these players into first team football and it's one of those, do you want to get the success for the short term or are you looking after the player's best interests and trying to get these kind of long-term plans in place to kind of help these players through? And and like I said, it can be difficult, especially at smaller clubs because you do have these big clubs coming in for the players. Yeah. The biggest the, the biggest example, I guess, this summer, just in relation to Sunderland that we have is with the transfer of Joe Hugill to United because... Every game I've watched him, he's been very, very impressive. I think he's played, I think it was four or five games for the under-18s and scored four goals. He's yeah. scored for the under-23s, and he's been one of the better players for them. Even Logan Pye has played for really well. He got he got an assist last week or the week before when the under-18s played against Everton, and then he's also played for the under-23s. And it just seems like you, while it it's really good because for me, I think the recruitment has been, I think over the last two years for United has been excellent. For me, I see these players come in and it can't be that they've just suddenly been good players. It's, it's one of those that it's, it's tricky that these small clubs have to give them up in terms of Joe, because he's kind of the one that I guess all the stories are being written about. I know there was one on Sky Sports. They wrote about him. And I, I think they failed to even mention that he came yeah, through did. the Sunderland Academy. Yeah. Um, that went down what, well. <laughs> yeah, I know. I bet it did. But what was what was the kind of talk around Sunderland about him? Was it that he was one that they were trying to keep long term, or was it one that he was one that they knew for a while was going to go and? Has was his skill set kind of the same as what we've seen early on in his career at Manchester United? Because for him to get his professional contract within two months or a month of him signing for United, is, it doesn't happen that often for yeah. United Youth Academy players that come straight in. Well, yeah, it's funny actually because when when Logan Pye was first linked with United, and we knew as soon as he was linked that that was it partially because it's United and partially because we suspected there was no real desire to keep him if there was money on it. Um, when, and I think that was back in January and somebody said to me, they said, this this kid, Joe Hugel, he'll, he'll be the next one to go. And I, I must admit, I'd, I'd not really watched him very much. I'd not watched him play and I said, no, he's very, very good. And he's one of the last ones left um, for which they'll be able to get a fee because they've sold a lot of them and he, and he, and he is very good and he, he's going to be playing well above his age soon enough and sure enough, I mean he was he was 16 and he got brought into the um, the under 23s and they only scored, he only played three games they only scored 10 goals all season last season and he scored two of them so and he's, I think he scored brace against West Ham I think it was and um and yes, you could you could just you could just tell. Um I, I think you look you look saying it's to fill out. Um but he, he clearly he's clearly got something, he's he's clearly he's clearly a, a proper striker. 
Um, like, I mean, you've just set his goals record there, and he's been called up to England, and and I think it's a hard one because, like I say, there are factors, there are a lot of factors going on at Sunderland at the moment. Um, I suspect he might have been one of the ones that we would have struggled to keep hold of anyway. But at the same time, if he was clearly as good as he looks to be, why why was there not an effort to say, look, it's, tell you what, you you stay with us, and within the next couple of years, you'll be playing football here. You'll be playing. You'll be playing League One football. You might even be playing Championship football. Like maybe that conversation was hard. I, I suspect it, it wasn't, but maybe it was. There's also there's also a point to make that some players won't look like that. Some players will say, "Well, no, Manchester United want me." Like I know when when um, when he did sign for Manchester United, he, he put a statement out and he was over the moon. Which of course, why wouldn't he be? Signed for one of the biggest clubs in the world. But um, yeah, I think there was a. It was well known that he was he was special, but I think it was also very much expected that um, that he was he wasn't going to be at Sunderland for much longer, which is incredibly frustrating on our part um, because it's you see I've, I've obviously mentioned like Jordan Henderson, Jordan Pickford. Now those those were very different circumstances because they did play in the first team and they did. They did actually like show something for the club, and also they went for an awful lot of money. Like basically, the com- the combined fees for them would basically cover the academy run for for ten years. So, it as much as like you'd rather they're still playing for the club, you accept that. Look, if when Liverpool come calling for Jordan Henderson, yeah, okay, you're gonna have to let him go when when you've just been relegated and Everton offer about thirty million pounds for Jordan Pickford, yeah. You can live with that. It's it's the fact that these kids are clearly talented, and um, we're not even getting to see the benefit of it. And I think that's yeah. the most frustrating. Thing. Yeah, um, it's... I, I think. Sorry, I, I was just going to say. I think. Um, I think the system is like you might disagree, but I think the system is it is massively skewed towards the bigger clubs. Um, it 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 kind of encourages stockpiling. I've always thought. Um, and I, my my view, one of the ways that it might not it might not help the bigger clubs, especially, uh, it might help them in the long run, uh, but immediately it might is to is to limit um, the amount of people you can have out on loan at any one time, just because I think like Chelsea have always been the most culprit for it. Chelsea stockpile players and then loan them out, and some of we we bought Happy Gillibaji, who. He's like Chelsea, I think he signed for two or three million. And then we went and signed him for eight. And I don't think he played a game for them. He was, he was on loan the entire time, which is, look, that's terrible business on our behalf. But yeah. it's kind of, um, it is like we, we mentioned uh, Matondo when he was at Man City. Like it, it is skewed that way. And I don't know that, I don't know that it's good for the, the, the young players themselves in a lot of instances because. We know that as you get further and further up the pyramid, it's like a smaller and smaller proportion actually make it. Now uh, the problem is if if, the, if big clubs can can afford to and are able to to stockpile young players, there's just going to be an even larger amount of them that drop off and don't go anywhere. And now you've got you kind of got the other side of things out of financial necessity where um, lower league clubs have got kind of squad limits. And salary caps, which again, it's making the opportunities far smaller. 
Um, so I think I think there's a uh, I mean hopefully we've we've had one, but there's a, there's some good conversations to have around it, and there's there's definitely reform required. Um, but I would say that given everything that's going on at the moment, I have a feeling it might not be particularly high on the priority list. Yeah, I, I don't think so. And even even though it's a benefit, I've seen what Chelsea you've done. I remember for years you'd look on when they used to have all those trackers on Sky Sports News of all the signings and you'd see about three pages of Chelsea players because they'd be brought in and then straight out you'd have them going out on loan. For for United, I see a lot in terms of the recruitment, and I look at the teams, and even the under-23s now, it's a really young team full of kind of 16, 17-year-olds, but one player goes out, and the next one that comes in is just as good. I was kind of writing down some of kind of the bigger players that kind of even came in this year. Like, we signed whatever it was. I think it was seven or eight players this year, about five or six last year, and a lot of them are are of the talent that would be able to play within the next kind of two to three seasons that could play, whether it is Premier League or Championship football. But it comes down to that point that not everybody's going to make it. I the, To finish it off, the last kind of two examples I had was about four or five years ago, United's defence at under-18s was excellent. You had Axel Tuanzebi and Roshan Williams. Both players were... Everyone was convinced they were going to make it. Now you have Axel that gets through, had a couple of injuries, got to go out to Villa. But then you have Roshan, which I think a lot of people around the club really expected him to be playing at a high level, is now, I think he's at Shrewsbury at the moment. And it's it's just one of those that even though there can be so many players that are really, really good at a particular position, I mentioned with Jimmy Garner and Dylan Levitt, Levitt's playing for Wales internationally, but can't get regular for first team football even at Charlton. If if that's happening, it shows that there's kind of a there's a big issue there where with these big clubs is there's only a certain amount, like really about ten percent of them make it when you look at it. The one funny example that I have is when Marcus Rashford came through. He wasn't the next one that people expected to come on. He just got that opportunity because the likes of, I think it was Martial got, got injured in pre-game and Rashford got in. But even before that, I think that was in maybe February or March. And in the January, we had just loaned out Ashley Fletcher at the time, who was actually the next one in line to start. And Rashford wasn't. Luckily, injuries happen and Rashford comes in. But without that, you have to question would he have gotten that opportunity or would he have been one of those to be sent out on loan? It's, it's really tricky. And if you've so, if you have these big clubs stockpiling every kind of big talent in the country, there's going to be players that kind of fall through the cracks and don't actually reach that potential that you would want them to. I think, I think that's a fair point. I think kind of touches on what I was not sure if I did, but trying to get across before was that, um, for some, play, some young players may look and say, well, if I'm going to fail to get into the first team, I'd rather do that at Manchester United and because then somebody lower down the leagues might pick me up. Sort of thing. And while that that's true, to my mind, there should be... It, it, shouldn't, it shouldn't be that like it's better for a player to go somewhere, sit, sit around for a few years, not make it, and then 
drop back to maybe the level they were already at or something. They, they need to. I, I don't know how. Look, I, I don't have the answers. I, I don't know. I don't know how you do it. There's there needs to be a way of incentivizing um, clubs further down the chain. Not only just incentivizing them to use these players, but also to enable them to actually keep them. Like, I mean, one of, one of the we, we touched on it about the, the compensation, but I've I've always found it a little bit strange that the, the compensation gets gets lower as you kind of progress down the the academy categories. Now, obviously, the argument is that well, they're getting a they're getting a higher level of teaching further up the chain but my counter argument would be but surely those further down the chain are the ones who need it the most like if if Manchester United develop a young player what's I think between the ages of like 8 and 12 you get something like 12 grand a year or something like what's that to Manchester United that's nothing like it really it's just a drop in the ocean whereas to like I don't know to like an an Exeter like Ollie Watkins or something and obviously they got a fee for him so he's not a perfect example but but getting a higher level of competition for them, it makes such a massive difference. And and then it in turn it enables them to keep hold of those players, like or hold out for a bit more money for them or whatever. And it and it makes the it makes the pyramid stronger. And I mean look, we we're seeing all this and I, I look at uh, I know they didn't have a great result the weekend, but I look at the current England team and it's kind of one of the most exciting England teams certainly one of the most exciting England teams I've seen in terms of young players coming through. Is that the overall goal here? Because if so, plenty of people will say, "Well, it's working. Like we've got, we've got all these stars coming through." Um, but I think it sounds like you're in agreement. But I think um, there are, there are ways to reform it that uh, that would benefit clubs and players alike. Yeah, absolutely. Like to kind of finish off on on it all, it's it seems like yes, we've seen uh, there's a lot of good English players that have come through. I think the problem is just like where they're coming from as well as you do want it to be that kind of balance. Like when people think of some of the big academies that have produced players, like even you look at it, the one that would always come out is you would think of the likes of United, there was West Ham, there was, but it wouldn't just be the Premier League clubs that you would say that's a good academy there. There were some that were lower down the pecking order. You said if you got a player from that academy, you'd be like, he's probably a, a good player. You saw it with Daddy like, Ali for MK Dons, even. I know that one. Like East. Crew, Crew, for yeah. example, had a famously, famously good academy. Yeah. Um, and sorry. I think that's why a lot of people got kind of excited back. I think it was one of the last seasons for Ferguson, is when we signed Nick Powell from Crew. A lot of people thought that that would be a good sign because he's come through a good academy. But again, I think it just comes back to that point that I just don't think the structure of how they play in U-League kind of football is just not good enough because you shouldn't, the players shouldn't have to play against the same kind of teams over and over and over again and not care if they get promoted or relegated. Personally, I would like to see it more similar to how we actually see kind of the professional or the senior game where you do have the different leagues and they actually matter that would be something that would be it'd be good to see because then at least you're at least the players are getting to play meaningful football games rather than the first time they play a meaningful football game for the big clubs might be when they go out alone and then you start to see really how good a player is because it's all well and good to to be great against the same players every single week 
but it's when you actually go up against kind of men and the senior footballers that you really see how good a player is. And that's why you see so many of these players that come out for a big club and they they might be good for a couple of games, but then they kind of kind of wash away and they aren't able to handle it. We've at United we see it all the time where a player comes in, you think he's gonna be good, and then suddenly you realize they're just not at that quality. But maybe if they had that bit of time to kind of build their game, I guess there's there's so many different routes. There's that kind of Harry Kane, the Tammy Abraham route where they've played for so many different teams. So by the time they're 24 or 25, they're really ready to play in the Premier League. But again, I think it just comes down to that structure of how the academies are set, the kind of philosophies these clubs have, and then what can they actually do to kind of maybe make it a little bit more competitive for them when they're actually at these younger ages. So they're more ready for when they actually have to step up the first team football. Yeah, no, I, I agree. I think, like I said, I don't, I don't have the answers, but I think, um, I think a lot of it as well, it's um, unfortunately, I think a lot of clubs, um, it still depends a lot on what the manager thinks. I mean, like from what you said about Mourinho, they're compared to Van Hal. Like it really, the manager still. I mean, so so the manager should have a lot of say in the direction of a football club, but um, that can really give you like a wild swing in in um, in the attitude towards these things and the, these things. The, the effects of like your academy uh, strategy to far outlast any manager, especially when managers like average tenure keep getting smaller and smaller and smaller. Like I mean currently like it's something we've got we've got Phil Parkinson in charge who it's it's funny because actually in preseason he, he um some of the remaining Academy kids um they were getting minutes and they were getting game time and they they've been on the bench a few times but at the moment, especially because things aren't going great, a lot of people are like screaming like get Get them playing, and he would, as I mentioned, he would prefer kind of thirty-five-year-old Danny Graham to be on the bench than like an eighteen-year-old striker. And whereas before him, one of the reasons we were told that Jack Ross was hired was because he would kind of uh, bring us to Sue. Now, actually, as it turned out, he wasn't especially great, and he probably did put a bit more effort into it than what we've seen recently. But certainly, I think, I think Sunderland are probably. A bit of a bad example because there is all they've always been extenuating circumstances. Like in the in the Premier League, it was we can't get relegated, we can't get relegated. Now it's we've got to get promoted, we've got to get promoted. I think more more generally, there's there needs to be kind of like an encouragement, either through probably through bringing in some sort of ruling. I've suggested like a lot about loans. There needs to be an encouragement to say, well, look like. These, these young these young players they you've got to kind of safeguard they, I think that to, to my mind there's a there's a um, there's kind of like a duty of care there to um, and and that's not to say that these clubs don't do that like I, I think I think city are actually famously known for actually, for actually like they 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 do, they do care they they put a lot into like the educational side of things and that's where it should be and I, and I think that is Possibly one of the things that has improved in recent years with the with the academy itself, but from a footballing side of things, the problem is if they are able to stop out of this phase, yes, some some are gonna some are gonna end up 
having perfectly good careers further down the but then there's gonna be others who just slip through the neck completely. Now, is that is that just a fact of life in football? I would say for a certain percentage it is, but possibly the, the percentage at the moment is a bit too high. Yeah, absolutely. I, I completely agree. Um, thanks for joining me today, Chris. Again, just no let problem. everybody know where they can um, reach in, where they can read some of your stuff and listen to you. Yeah, so if, if people are interested in the wild world of Sunderland, and I promise you it is constantly wild, even for a League One club, um, check out the Wise Man Say podcast. Um, it is not, as I said, it is not always me. There's there's a team of, I think there's about 10 or 11 of us now, and um, um it's always it's always it's always good natured and um, hopefully it's it's well informed. Yeah, that's perfect. Thanks for joining me today. And again, I hope everybody kind of gets stuff out of this. Again, it's one of the things I've always liked talking about is kind of the youth system over overall for all the different leagues. So it's been really great talking to you today. So thanks for joining me. Thanks for having me on.